You found it. The no-nonsense, no-script podcast you've been waiting for. Real people on real issues. Welcome to Dynamic Independence. The home of logic, reason, and common sense. Let's do it. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. I'm Johnny Anderson, and I'm joined today by Bruce Adams. All right. Good afternoon, Bruce. How are you today? Healthy and alive. That's good. Yourself? That's good. No, I'm, I'm good. No COVID today. No, no COVID today. So today, no COVID, yeah. as a matter of fact, we're not even really going to get political today. I like these where we just kind of step off and we, we do these other aspects. Today, I want to talk about juvenile delinquency. And this is a really important topic that needs to be covered because I think largely if we didn't have such type of or such behavior, you wouldn't see these um, these kids out there in the streets looting and burning and, and rioting and joining Antifa and all these other groups. So, you know, I, I think it's I think it's time that we sit down and we discuss uh, juvenile delinquency. Uh, and this is a subject I've been wanting to talk about for quite some time, but it's just kind of eluded us. And, you know, I, I can't say that I'm satisfied with myself that we've let it go this long long because of where we are now. It's possible that we should have covered this earlier on and we just never got to it. I don't know how it slipped my mind, uh, but now's a good time to get into it. So let's start with antisocial behavior, right? And you say, okay, what does that got to do with juvenile delinquency? Well, it starts with antisocial behavior because if you're antisocial, then you're not going to have those connections that you need in order to form and develop relationships and boost confidence for yourself. And therefore, you're going to turn down the, the wrong path and you're going to head down towards a path of delinquency. So amongst other things. But you've been pulling some research on antisocial behavior. So let's start with what you've got there on antisocial behavior. Really, it depends on who you're asking, it seems, uh, as far as looking this up. Uncontrolled anger, feeling isolated, becoming anxious in social uh, situations. Do you want the legal? Th this is the problem. If you want a medical example, that was the medical example. If you want the legal definition, there's something completely different. Well, I was able to pull something. I, I was able to pull something. Let me see if, if what I pulled was able or was corresponds to what you've got over there. So uh, let me see. Antisocial behavior in children and adolescents is defined as violations of social rules and acts of harm or aggression towards others. These behaviors can include fighting, lying, stealing, property damage, setting fires, or being cruel to animals. Is that about what you have? Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that, that pretty much sums up the legal side of it and some of the, the medical side. Yeah. Okay. So there's risk factors involved here. So if you have some of these behaviors, some of these types of things, then there's factors that will that will put you at risk, a higher risk in a sense of becoming delinquent, right? So you become a um, essentially a menace to society. <laughs> that, that's what it is. Uh -huh. But in some of these factors, right, like I said, they'll increase the chance that, that a teen or a child will become delinquent. However, I don't think there's a single risk factor for delinquents or anything like that. I mean, it's just like there's a, a number of things that can go into this. So a couple of things that, that this stuff could result in a higher risk factor of becoming troublemaker to society, right? A low socioeconomic status. Okay. So what's, what's a socioeconomic status? First of all, you have to understand that there's different 
different economic and, and sociological combinations to make a person's you know work experience or an individual's family or economic social position right in relation to others. So you pit yourself essentially against other people in society. So you can analyze people's household income, their education, the occupations they have, whereas you, you put that against yourself. So you, you look at, at socioeconomics. It's a whole it's a whole different subject. We're not going to get into that stuff today. But socioeconomic status. If you're a lower tiered in society, then this can lead to um, a higher risk of becoming uh, a troublemaker, which we do see that, don't we? The people that are of lower status in society, they seem to be the ones that commit the most uh, the most crimes, correct? Uh, if they're a juvenile. We're talking specifically juveniles here today. We're not talking adults. Another one they have listed here is being male. I, I don't think I have to tell you that um, masculinity has been under attack here for probably the last, I don't know, what, 15 years? So I could see that. I, I could see that. Uh, exposure to it's aggression. Go ahead. Uh, uh, to, to add to that, scientifically speaking, coming from being uh, younger, hitting puberty and then having uh, hormones start shifting and changing, there is an element of testosterone kicking in. And that's kind of if you don't have an outlet for men to either physical activity or, or some of that companionship or whatnot, that is actually a problem. Um, mm -hmm. they, they become bullheaded and so, you know. The delinquents. Yeah. Yeah. OK. All right. Good point. Exposure to aggression and violence. You put a kid around violence. What's he going to do? What happens? You put him around violent movies and violent video games and all kinds of nonsense all, all of his life. See, this is why parents don't parent anymore. They give their kids an Xbox. Say, here you go. And they buy him mature rated games. Mm. I just, don't know. I turned out pretty well. <laughs> well, that remains to be seen. But yeah, OK. True. True. Poor parent and child relationships. Like I just said, uh, mm -hmm. difficulty concentrating ADD. ADHD, all this stuff. Do I have to tell you all the serotonin reuptake inhibitors that these kids are on today? Do I have to tell you about all that stuff? I don't think I have to go into detail on that. There's a lot of drugs that get pushed on kids these days, right? They're they're pill poppers. Mm -hmm. When all they needed was discipline. Exactly. Exactly. Frequent medical or physical problems. Yeah, I could see that if they're in and out of hospitals, in and around medical establishments and, and things like that. Yeah, they're, they're going to be, um, you know, they're going to be all kinds of twisted up hyperactivity. Again, like you said, Bruce, you need to give them something to do. They're going to be, you know, they, they have that aggression. They're going to have to channel it somehow. We'll get into that later on when we talk about social organizations and things like that. The last thing, poor discipline, bad disciplinary standards. You don't punish your child, that type of thing. So let's just put it this way. If these kids were getting disciplined at home, you wouldn't see them out there in the streets burning businesses down, would you? You just wouldn't see it. Yeah. Th those are the things, those are risk factors that lead to juvenile delinquency. I cannot, you're talking about discipline. I cannot imagine the kind of punishment I would get if I was one of these rioters and looters out there that are that are oh, doing God. this stuff recently. Oh, man. I cannot imagine how much trouble I would be in. <laughs> you know what? I wouldn't have even like it. You, you can forget, you know, just simply going to bed without dinner for that one for me. I mean, it wouldn't have happened. It would have been we're pulling you out of everything. You're done until you're 18 years old. Right. That, that would have been it. Or mm -hmm. you're, you're mm -hmm. going to do the, the minimum amount of things that you can do in order to function in society. And then you're done. So, uh, you know, not to mention the fact they probably would have disowned me. But anyway, Which OK, so here, kind of go ahead. counterintuitive, by the way, it's kind of counterintuitive to pull them it, out. It, of it is. It, it sports is sports yeah. and stuff it is. in hindsight. But anyway, it, it is. But uh, you get the idea. Like that's that was the punishment back then. You know, mm -hmm. you had such a mm -hmm. desire to go out and be a part of those things and be around other people that you didn't want to lose that as a kid. You know, this is why you went right. stomping up to your room crying when your parents said you were grounded for a week and you couldn't ride your bicycle. You know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so 
yeah, it's just that's the way it was. But see, here's the thing now. And I can't believe I'm about to say this, but these kids are eventually going to become adults and hell, some of them already are. But see, this kind of goes on to another subject that I wanted to, to that I wanted to discuss at some point, but I, I don't want to get into it today. We're going to have to do a whole thing on it. And we've been threatening to do this one for a while. And I want to talk about have adults become children, because that's kind of where we're at in a lot of respects. But see, here's the thing. These kids, they want to become adults, don't they? They, they already think that they know everything. They want to become adults. Mm-hmm. However, they don't have the intellect. They don't have the ability to demonstrate the proper responsibility in order to assume that role as an adult. So what makes you think that you're deserving of that? What, your age? That's going to give it to you by default in the eyes of the law, maybe, but not in the eyes of a productive and, and just society. So we have to look at essentially what the cause is to this problem, right? What what is what has caused us to get to this point? And more than that, what's the answer to this problem of well, it's illegal behavior essentially. I mean, that's that's kind of what it is. I hate to say that behaviors are illegal, but the type of behavior that they emit leads to lawlessness and anarchy, doesn't it? So it yeah. becomes it becomes illegal. I, I don't like I said. I don't want to say that behaviors are, themselves are illegal. That's that's um, that's ridiculous. But the fact is, is that it leads to illegal acts and it puts them in the justice system. But see, you look at it as an overall sense of society. And in my opinion, when you look at society, right, the progress of a society that depends on the individual, whoever that is, and the downfall of the society. That's ultimately our responsibility as the citizens, as the individual citizens, isn't it? Yeah. Individual citizens as a whole. Yeah. I guess in my experience and in my research and and things that I've looked into, right, when when a nation rises, I don't care which nation, I'm not talking about anyone specific here, but when a nation rises, right, when it rises to its great heights, right, it's based on law and order and justice and good attitudes and good families and institutions and things like that, that allow people to become responsible and be held accountable to their actions, So therefore, you're able to keep the law and order in society. You're able to keep a sophisticated society. But see, a nation's downfall, those results are based on the opposite of that, the antithesis of that. They're based on lawlessness, disorder, and anarchy. Now, what are we seeing now? We're seeing lawlessness, disorder, and anarchy, aren't we? Mm -hmm. So are we on the back end of it? That's the question. I think as Americans, though, we're anxious to preserve law and order because this is where we're seeing the biggest upheaval in society at the moment is in the U.S. But we talked about yesterday, essentially, why you're seeing that. We want to ensure that we have a society. We have that continuance of of democratic principles, don't we? I mean, we want we want to keep that. So I think that when you look at it in the overall scheme of things, right, juvenile delinquency, as it continues to persist, that's one of the most serious social problems I think the U.S. has right now is that particular aspect, because they don't have any any type of discipline. They don't have any type of order. They don't have any type of structure. Nothing, nothing, especially in the cities. Now, correct me if I'm wrong here, Bruce. Now, I want to get your take on this. I look at that particular aspect when I when I talk about juvenile delinquency. I think that that's a local problem and not a, a national problem. I mean, don't, uh, l- let me let me rephrase. It's a national problem, as in we have it all over the country, but it needs to be dealt with at the local level. Correct. Would you agree with that? Yeah, Absolutely. I think most of the problems that we're dealing with today are actually stem from a local. I mean, it may be a national problem, but it stems from a local issue. Right. And I think depending on where you are, everything's going to have a different factor of that. Everything's going to be varying. So depending on where you come from in a society, 
every place is going to be different. Every geographic location is going to be different. So you have to address each area independently in order to solve this problem. But see, I think in order to do that, you need to look at existing conditions of where you are before you can do anything. Because if you don't address the existing conditions that are causing that in the first place, then I guess the whole thing becomes irrelevant, right? In order to fix it, you, you have to understand what's causing it. Yeah. So let's talk about upbringings. Let's look at the last 20 years in the U.S. So if we go, let's say, let's say we go back to 2000. Okay. So we have a whole generation from 2000 to now, right? Essentially, you've got kids that were not here 20 years ago. They're here now and they're 20 years old. They're about to go off to college. They just finished, you know, whatever. They're two years into college, whatever. So they have had the misfortune to grow up in what? In In the last 20 years in America, what is the only thing that they've known? The only thing they've known in the U.S. is war. That's all we've had, isn't it? War on terror, you know, war on this, war on that. War on terror, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. So this led me, when I started to think about that, this led me to a term. And the term is essentially called wartime abandon, right? We didn't really pay too much attention to the young people. We were too busy as a nation concerned on other things. We were concerned about that war on terror. We were concerned about this tactic and that tactic and what we were doing and support this cause and support that cause. We were distancing ourselves from our young people. So we didn't pay any attention to them and we let everything else go. And what's come in to fill that vacuum? Things like social media, things like video games, breakdowns of community organizations such as the Boy Scouts, that type of thing, because we haven't had the focus on it where it needs to be. When you create that shift in society like that, right? It causes families to become separated. You shift the focus of society. So if you ignore certain things, then they become the problems rather than the solutions where you turn the focus in to try and solve the problem. This again, this comes back to broken homes, which we'll get into shortly. Community services, like I said, those types of things, they break down youth organizations. But I think during all this time, right over the last 20 years, would you agree that we've had the the uptick in juvenile delinquency? Because I think we have. I mean, if, if you want to look at it today, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know that. Tw- well, I can't say that twenty years ago we wouldn't have had these riots because we had the riots in the nineties. We did, but it was a different set of circumstances. It, it wasn't necessarily on yeah. this kind of stuff. See, now you have, like I said, you have the the introduction of like social media. You have the introduction of mass media information at your fingertips. It spreads like wildfire. We didn't have that back then, so they weren't able to mobilize the populace on a mass scale on a cause, whether it's real or manufactured. So it's hard to say. It's hard to say. But when you had movements like that and you had the riots, say, back then, I mean, for example, the Watts riots, that was hearsay. A lot of that was based on hearsay. The initial spark of it all, yes, fine. But a lot of people then ended up out there burning all those businesses down that had no idea what they were even there for. So mm-hmm. again, this is why groups like BLM and, and the like, they're out there. A lot of people are just out there jump. They're bandwagon jumpers. They're jumping on all this stuff and they don't even know why. All these kids are jumping onto it. They're out there looting, right? They're, they're out there burning things down and they don't even know why. They have no idea why. Just because someone on, uh, on social media told them to do it. So lack of parental care. This is the other thing. You don't have parental care of youth in a society. Then they don't develop into decent law-abiding citizens. They don't. So when you have that, when you have the lack of parental care, you have that increased risk as we talked about with the risk factors, you have that increased risk brought on by antisocial behavior, right? It furthers their development into juvenile delinquency. So then they become a problem. Then they fall into the um, essentially you can 
you can attribute that to uh, uh, increases in inherent, like, I almost want to say evil tendencies because they just seems to get worse and worse. Like if you don't if you don't see to the problem, like the the behavioral problem, then it just exacerbates itself and it gets it compounds on itself and it gets worse and worse and worse. So, I mean, and I've I've seen this dealing with juveniles in the criminal justice system in the United States. and, And that's what it all comes down to. But see what happens. They get caught in this. I almost want to say a web of neglect. And then th- this actually shows this shows a failure of adults, doesn't it? If you have a child that goes out and, and you don't pay any attention to that child, let's say you're a parent and you don't you don't do anything to foster that child's growth. And, you know, you're just putting your time in, let's say, until they turn 18 years old and become the quote adult. And yet they become a criminal. They fall into this nonproductive status of society and they just they continue to be a nuisance in society and create problems and continue to participate in crimes. Well, that's a failure of, a, of an adult, isn't it? That's a failure of a parent, wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely. I'm using that word again, aren't I? Yes, I agree. But see, parents, I think who neglect to train their children, right? It's their fundamental obligation in the first place, right? You essentially, it's your obligation to train that child as a parent. And if you don't do that, well, then you've kind of you violated that obligation to society. But see, here's the problem. And this is where I want to get into this other this other part here, like what I call community risk, because if you don't train that child, if you don't train children, then it becomes a threat to the community. So and not only to it, not only to just your own family, right, it, it becomes a threat there in and of itself. That's a given. But it also becomes a threat to the community, because if they don't have discipline, if they don't have a good upbringing, if they don't have uh, the, the wherewithal to know the difference between right and wrong and how to have respect and decency for other people, no matter who that might be. Well, then you're, as I said, you're putting the community at risk because they're going to commit crimes and they're going to cause trouble and they're going to wreak havoc in that community. And then that's going to cause friction in relationships as neighbors. And everything that we try to do here is we try to strengthen that relationship with our neighbors. We know that everything starts at the communal level. We know that's where it starts. Everything's done at the local level to us because that's how we've been successful. And so when you have these particular demographics of people, you know, the young people, when you have the young people, I, I love that that term because that's that's what the media likes to use now, the young people, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a Marxist term, by the way, just saying. When you have the young people that aren't disciplined, that become delinquent, that are the asocial and don't participate in society, that further alienates them, then it's only a matter of time before the community suffers. You know, we've kind of talked about it before, how Marxism wants to basically remove the the raising of, of your kids at home and wants the state to do it, right? We've talked about the um, on another podcast how at home you get your more or less your moral teaching, you know, your your functioning as an adult more, or, or, you know, as a human being, if you will, the basics, if you will. And then you go to school for your academics and then, you know, whatever religious organization you want, you get the spiritual training and, and disciplines and whatnot. That's all being destroyed. I mean, it, it's a damage to society when you don't have that moral teaching at home, right? That's what opens the door for you to go and, you know, loot and whatnot. If you don't have that, the the concept of, you know, for example, property ownership, you know, or, or private ownership, you, you just think that, you know, if you, you have something and clearly you have enough money, you have insurance or whatever, and that, that'll, you know, cover your expenses. And I don't, I can't afford this. So I'm just going to go steal it or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. you learn those things at home. So 
we're seeing a huge push against the family, the nuclear family. And then, uh, you know, at a community level, when was the last time you did something with your community, you know, or, or your neighbors, just putting it in the immediate area? You know, I mean, do you guys go out and have like barbecues every once in a while or, you know, um, just simply talking to your neighbors, forming that relationship? Because this is the other thing. By having a community, it also makes it a little bit more difficult for your kids to go out and do stupid stuff because everybody knows everybody in the community or your kid knows this person and they don't want to, you know, hurt them in some way or, or whatever. But again, that relies on you teaching them at home. So, yeah. You know, you mentioned there about having something and someone else doesn't, right? Now, when, when we're talking about juvenile delinquency, it's a very important point you bring up there because it's not confined to any particular economic or social level, is it? It, it doesn't really matter. No. So, I mean, it strikes the homes of, of poor and rich alike. So it's not just it's not relegated to one or the other. How many times you hear about one of these rich kids that goes out there and gets in trouble? Oh, well, yeah, Junior, he did this. Well, mm-hmm. that's because Junior's mm-hmm. a spoiled brat, you know, and you didn't do anything. Yep. You just gave him money, right? <laughs> so, exactly. I mean, that's... That's what it is. But see, like I said, the, the problem is not limited to any certain section of the country and not even the, the larger metropolitan areas like cities. It's not just relegated to that. Yes, we do see increased crime in the cities, but we don't necessarily see it only in the cities. It's out in rural America as well. It differs in scale as well. Uh, like uh, the stuff you see out in rural areas is usually pretty stupid stuff. Right. And, right. and it's yeah. not necessarily cow tip uh yeah yeah it, i mean it's it it can be bad right that can kill the cow but at the same time it's it's harmless at the same time in a sense right whereas mailbox in bashing. a city setting yeah mailbox bashing I, I know some other stories where actually uh federal offenses where they were pulling signs out of the road um, yeah yeah and, and the person that's federal. listening that used to do that he he knows <laughs> anyway um <laughs> he's probably laughing but yeah no like the stuff you do out in, in the rural areas, it's relatively, you know, it's material stuff, right? And it, it's, I don't know, it's usually stupid, but it, it is. You can get away I, with the it. underlying thing is, yeah, to, to your point, the underlying thing is, right, it exists in any place where there's indifferent and self-centered parents, right? I mean, that that's where it yeah. is because they fail to discharge their obligations as an authority figure to the child. So that's where it stems from. But see, if the home doesn't have because we, you know, we're talking about homes here, if the home doesn't have that proper training, that discipline, that love, that care and in, in the guidance that kids need, if you don't have that, then the kid becomes mentally starved, doesn't he? And this is what causes him to go out and do this stuff. So he, he needs that. You know, he or she, the child needs that particular structure for themselves. They need that. Families need that. Communities need that. I just had a thought on this, though. That is correct to a degree, because I know of people that had really good upbringings and families and whatnot, and yet they were still out there doing the um, illegal acts, if you will, uh, at a Mm -hmm. young age. So, I mean, it's not it's not 100 percent of the time. Right. But it's a general, you know, generally speaking, that that's the case. You just you you have some that are just um, rebellious, shall we say. (laughs) Idiots. (laughs) But you have to place the emphasis, though. The emphasis has to be placed on the home. It has to be placed on the The family has been under attack in America for 50 years, five decades. Mm -hmm. It's taken them five decades to destroy the family in the U.S. Now, if the spiritual structure of the house and we can get into this aspect to it and we can get into the education side of it here because the three educations we were you you touched on there, too. Mm -hmm. If the spiritual Mm -hmm. side of the house of the household, right, if that's weak, then what's going to happen? What's going to happen to the country? 
And I'm not talking about just the household. I'm talking about the country. If that happens in all the households, do I have to tell you what's happened to the U.S.? Do I have to tell you? Because that's what we're seeing. It's a fundamental moral stamina that the country depends on. Right. That's our that's our homes, our households, our families, the nuclear family. I'll, I'll use a term from BLM, the Western prescribed nuclear family. I'll use their own term. Mm-hmm. That's under attack. They're looking to finish it off. But I guess we also have to understand it's necessary to kind of recognize and, and understand the position of the family unit and the responsibilities of the parents. Right. That's the bulwark of society. Right. That's what keeps society together. The, the people, the powers that be in the West, they know this. Right. They know this. They know this very well. And this is why we're covering it, because this is precisely what they target. So Bruce mentioned educations. Right. Now, we're not talking just academics here. We're talking spiritual education, you know, religious institutions, whatever religion you are. Right. We're not singling out one or the other here because spiritual belief is spiritual belief. So whatever you believe in. And as Americans or as anybody, as far as, you know, any Western nation, as far as I know, you have the right to worship whatever you want. You know, you can go out there and worship a maple tree if you want. No offense to Canadians. I love maple syrup. That's a stereotype. (laughs) That's a stereotype. I'm sorry. I don't mean any offense to to Canadians. I I love everybody in Canada. You're all wonderful. But yes, three educations. We got three educations. We had the education in the home. We were taught, at least, you know, I was. I'm sure you were too, Bruce. I mean, we come from similar backgrounds in that that regard. Mm -hmm. I was taught how to behave at, at home. I was taught how to respect people. I was taught how to treat people. I was taught manners. I was taught dignity. I was taught self-worth. That was what you were taught at home, right? Amongst other things, of course. But, you know, that that's what you were taught at home. The spiritual side of it, obviously, you're with the family. You go to the same religious institution, whatever that might be. And you learn there. You learn the spiritual side of it. You learn a higher purpose, not just about yourself. It's, it's not about yourself when you're at the religious institution. It's about developing your relationship to that spirit, to that higher authority that's going to guide you and put you on the right path to be successful in life and to respect others and how to treat them. Right. There's other aspects to that as well. Like, go, yeah, for, go example, on, please. Um, for example, going in and, you know, interacting with your peers in those scenarios. I mean, it, it happens in schools as well, but youth yeah, exactly. Churches. Youth groups, charity groups, you know, if you do charity work at those religious organizations, just general interaction that you have with people, you learn how to interact with older generations. Uh, as well. So it's, there's a large, you know, grouping of things you learn in that that kind of a setting. You mentioned there are uh, social organizations. I mentioned before here that uh, I was a Boy Scout growing up. I still talk to to people that uh, that I came up in the Scouts with. Marty, I think, was uh, was a Boy Scout. Bruce, were you a Boy Scout? No. No? Okay. GP was, I believe, as well. I believe he was a Boy Scout. And you know something? I I learned a lot there, but it was that social connection. And you know, you still, I mean, I I still remember, I can can rattle them off now, uh, the 12 points to being a Scout, right? Trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly, courteous, kind, obedient, cheerful, thrifty, brave, clean, and reverent. What's that last one? Reverent. We had chapel service when we were in the Boy Scouts. So every troop had had our own chapel. And so we had not only what you were talking about, we, we had not only the youth organization side of it, the, the, you know, the community organization side of it. And there again, we did a lot of community work. We did a lot to give back to the community. But we also had the spiritual side of it that we were taught there as well, too. And again, it wasn't relegated to, to one or the other when it came to, to religious, you know, re- religious side of things. But the fact is, is that not only was it teaching you a sense of values, it was also giving you a sense of purpose and it was developing you into a better person in order to do something that could also be self-fulfilling. And at the same time, you could give something back to someone else or to the community as a whole. 
And you got guys like Mark Zuckerberg. They come out and they they make statements like uh, social media is going to fill the gap that that Boy Scouts and and uh, that Scouts and yeah, you know, I guess we have to be PC here, don't we? Uh, social media is going to fill the gaps that the Scouts and that uh, that Little League used to used to have. Well, I did all those things. We didn't have social media. Look what social media has done to these kids. Look at it. This is why I've been against social media from the start. You know, I saw that stuff coming a decade ago, a decade ago, and I pulled away from it because I knew that we were going to eventually end at this point here. So I divorced myself from that system. I haven't come up in that system, the social media system. And I can only imagine what a lot of these kids are dealing with having to be in there and all the time, uh, be in the, the system all the time. That's their life. I mean, we're, we're on social media here for the podcast. You know what? I don't even like it. Uh, don't get me wrong. Interacting with listeners and things like that. That's that's OK. I, I like interacting with those of you that do contact me. I, I do appreciate that. I, I love getting the feedback. But as far as as what it does to these kids about, you know, passing along all this stuff and, you know, information and, and the way that they think and things like that, it's filling the void. Yes. But what is it doing to them in the meantime? Is it giving them a sense of structure? Is it giving them a sense of discipline? Is it giving them a sense of purpose? Is it giving them a sense of self-worth? Or is it making them sad, depressed, angry, and lawless? Because I think it's the latter of all of that. Don't you? Yeah, there, there is another aspect of that as well. By most of your interactions being online or through social media, you're not getting the... You're not learning how to, to interact socially. So, for example, in a real life scenario, there's elements that you get like with voice tones, body language, um, you know, there's there's an energy you get or, you know, in an exchange that you have in, in a uh, like a real scenario, right? In person scenario, whereas online, you don't get that. It's it's text or even voice, you know, or, or whatever, right? It's very limited. You don't get the rest of that. So you don't learn that you don't, there's psychological side effects to it as well. When you're like hermiting and that kind of thing, right? It can cause things, which is part of the whole social disorder th- stuff. It can cause negative effects when they're in crowds and that sort of thing, right? Or, or their interaction with people. When you, when you have a screen between you and the other person, right? And you don't, the, the anonymity, you can be a jerk. You can be a troll. Try to do that in the real world. You know, I mean, it doesn't engender people to you, right? <laughs> it doesn't mm-hmm. it doesn't go well. Mm-hmm. And then so, when they turn around and interact with people in the real world, it's yeah. not what they expect. And, and it causes exactly. a, a reaction in them, right? Yeah. And we've also talked about, too, with social media, you're, you're constantly doing something for those likes or, or you know, the, the thumbs up or whatever, you know, for mm-hmm. different medias. And that that's pushing them and driving them forward. And there's not really a... They keep doing things more extreme and, and crazier to outdo the next person. And it just it, it it's not healthy. Right. I mean, it, I it's know. a bad outlet. Necessarily, I, I don't know, know, Bruce. I mean, it, it took it took me a couple of times before I get used to the, the taste of Tide Pods. It took me a couple of times. <laughs> but yeah. I eventually I eventually got past that that initial uh, that initial taste. Uh-huh, and, uh-huh. and it was just everything was fine after that. Yeah. 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 Uh, disclaimer, we don't condone eating of Tide Pods. You know, God, just, no. Uh, <laughs> this. OK. Right. That, that's, that's an interesting point. Right. This is a prime example of what happens when you don't parent. OK. You, you have. Do, do you have any idea what would have happened to us as children if we would have eaten laundry detergent? Like these are the same people that the media are out there championing, talking about these are the people that are the hope and the change in society. Six months ago, they were eating laundry detergent. I mean, 
other than the fact it could kill you. But um, unbelievable. Yeah. Okay, but anyway, yes, uh, social organizations. I, I cannot stress the importance of that. But see, here's the thing. I fear we're at a point now where we're going to have to rebuild all that. All that's got to be brought back. All that has to be rebuilt because it's been eviscerated by these these. What's the word I'm even looking Are for? Marxists. I, I was going to say fascists, but I mean, I assume I, I mean, it's the same thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it's more encompassing to say Marxist. But see, technically progressives fit into that, don't they? They do. They do. But see, yeah, we talked about how progressives are not really for progress. That That's that's the thing. That's that's another mm-hmm. that's another term they've they've just kind of grabbed a hold of. But, you know, keeping with um, keeping with organizations here in structure, I think the failure to instill this type of um, this type of structure to younger people, the, the failure to do that, if you don't follow moral and ethical teachings, then it kind of places the future of them, of you and of the country in general in jeopardy, doesn't it? Because this is this is the point we're at. Because all this stuff has been gutted. It's all been removed. It's all been undermined. Everything undermined, I think was the word I'm looking for. But it's all been undermined. It's all been sabotaged. It's all been destroyed. And it's been done on purpose. That's the that's the takeaway. That's the point you have to understand is it's been done on purpose. It's not by accident. It's not by, oh well that's the natural progression of things. No, it's not. It's been done that way on purpose. So when you don't have these particular moral and ethical teachings to teach a young person coming up in the world, then their minds become void of a reason of why it's necessary to follow moral and man-made laws. Therefore, you have lawlessness, anarchy and chaos. So the consequences of this, right, their consciences, right, they're going to be warped and they're going to be scarred and any form of release that they're going to be looking for. That's going to be exercised to satisfy their own selfish needs. This is why you have ideologies pop up and come along that are what? Self-serving, materialistic, nihilistic. See where this is going? You see why this is being introduced? So the consequence of this, the, the ultimate consequence of this is criminal behavior and criminal activity. That's what it boils down to. So I think without a return to these things, w- without a return to these these institutions, without a return to these these social organizations that, you know, the, the ones that promote positivity, we're not going to win back the hearts and the minds of these kids. And, and I think that's that's what it's all about. That's as a matter of fact, we talked about the new up and coming possible congressman yesterday out of North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Out of all things, I heard him say that he and AOC agree on one thing, if you can believe it right now, he's a hardcore conservative and you know where she's at you know, the bartender, you know where she's at. He said they agree on one thing, if nothing else. And that is that it's a fight to win the hearts and minds of the up and coming generations. And that's what it is. And it all starts in the local community. It all starts at home. It all starts with these institutions that have been undermined. So if we don't have the family structure, if we don't have the, the Western prescribed nuclear family, if we don't have that, then we don't have a country. That's what it is. <laughs> it creates. Do you have something you want to add to that? Uh, just the joke I did, uh, off recording the, you're just conforming to the patriarchal society. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. All right. Sure. You know, I talked the other day about a spiritual vacuum. If you don't believe in something that's, that's higher than yourself, then it creates a spiritual vacuum. And, and that's where we are with this. Th- this will eventually lead to that point. So as you get older and you are void of all these things that you missed in your upbringing, that, that you don't have from the traditional family, then you have that spiritual vacuum and then you get twisted up in this this ideology, you know, these these weird ideologies. And it causes you to um, man, I tell you what, have you ever met 
one of these uh, these hardcore uh, nihilistic types. I mean, they're they're really some twisted up people. Bruce, you and I were talking before we were recording those types of people. Mm-hmm. I mean, that mm-hmm. that that's how you end up in that situation is if you come from backgrounds like what we've been talking about here tonight. Yeah. I mean, there's more to it, obviously, than just that. But, you know, because we're talking about younger generations here. So but as you get to adulthood and you you've been in that, you know, those crime sprees, shall we say, growing up, obviously, that's going to damage your chances in the future for finding a, a good job or, you know, good relationships and that sort of thing that that hampers that. Right. So then it just kind of it's a spiraling effect. It gets even worse. And that's how you get these disenfranchised peoples and groups that want to jump on board to, you know, with Marxism and that sort of thing. It's because, you know, it's it's a plan, as we've said, it, it, that's their intention. They want these groups like this so they can get their revolutionaries. Yes. And I think it's important to, to add on to that, to what you were saying, because it's a, it's, it's a great way you you uh, you led up to that point, because they want the institutions to be able to prepare them to follow along the lines of those of that type of thinking. Correct. Isn't that kind of what you were alluding to? Yeah. Right. Okay. Right. Well, see, that's the thing. This is the key to it. No one can substitute that. No one can substitute parents teaching children the, the ways of, of liberty and freedom in a country. No one can do that. A school's certainly not going to do it. My God, are you kidding me? They're not going to do it. Youth organizations have been destroyed. Social media is certainly not going to teach people how to, how to appreciate liberty and freedom. So it has to be done at home. See, if you have all of these things that are structured around that family. You don't have people like this. You don't have the violence in the streets. You don't have the gang activity. You don't have the looting. You don't have the rioting. If you look at any one of these mass shootings, if you look at any one of these things, what happens? One of these mentally deranged individuals that go out there and they do these things. I, I mean, it's it's terrible anytime one of those things happens. But every time that happens, what is it? It's always some person that's whacked out on these drugs because they come from some broken home or some messed up family, right? Most of the time. You know, you mentioned you mentioned something there that that kind of triggered patriotism. That's something that is learned from from home. At least mm-hmm. it was for me. I, yep, like, me for too. example, um, I, I, I'll, I'll, we don't usually name family members here, but my grandfather was a, a instrumental in, in teaching patriotism to me. When you're patriotic for your country and you believe in in the the foundational values of the country, you don't want to go out and do crime and whatnot to tarnish the image of your country, right? I mean, that's another aspect of it. So by instilling these things in, you know, your your child, you're piling on more and more reason to to be law abiding, if you will, uh, and and not go out and do these bad things. They'll want to go out and do good to help their neighbor to be charitable. That that is the reason you teach your child at home and you have religious organizations and schooling. It's to bring them up well to to do exactly that, to not think of themselves specifically solely and do things solely for their own personal, uh, you know, benefit. They do it for the community or to help one another. You know, I mean, yeah, of course you want to do stuff for yourself, but you get what I mean. You know, it's not just that. That's not the main focus. No, you're absolutely right. And this is precisely why I say that there's no substitute for parents. There's no substitute Mm -hmm. for that. There's no substitute for, for the family. There's no substitute for the home. It's just not there. Now, I don't care what kind of what kind of spin they put on it. I don't care what they what they uh, talk about in these ridiculous public schools. I don't care about any of that stuff. But the fact is, is that there is no substitute state or otherwise that can take the place of that. You know, we used to say that if parents did fail 
you could still kind of somewhat fall back on the community organizations, churches and schools and things like that to ensure that, you know, you, you still had that connection and you still had that somewhat of order and, and, and purpose to yourself and to society. But that's not the case anymore, is it? Mm-hmm. Because these institutions don't provide that. That's another thing, by the way. We kind of brought up patriotism and uh, religious organizations. I, I know I want people to be able to think freely and to have their own opinions, form their own beliefs, so on and so forth. At the same time, if you have no foundation in terms of believing in a, in a God, whatever it is, right, whatever religion you want to go in, then our foundational documents are meaningless to you. Your rights are given to you by God, by your creator, right? That's that's what our documents say, right? Mm-hmm. If you don't believe in a God, well, then what's the next one that gives you the rights? It's government. And government, if government's the one that's giving them, they can take it away. Uh, so if you have no belief in that, you have no concept of God, then, you know, it, it, you're willing to give those up. But that that's kind of a, you know, side trail there. I don't necessarily think that it's a side trail. But see, you, I, I think you're onto something there because in the upbringing of all this, right, in, in the midst of all this that we see in, in society, right, there's kind of a tendency to to discount and even eliminate the teachings of something that's that's bigger than yourself, isn't it? Right. The spiritual teachings, mm-hmm. it, it's designed to be that way. When was the last time you heard a mainstream media outlet talking about a church organization? When was the last time you heard that? You haven't, have you? Uh, well, yeah, actually, I have. But it's usually in the sense of like, for example, uh, Joel Osteen, you know. Yeah. OK. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. you know, in some way it's it's never in a positive yeah, okay. light. Anymore. All right. Yeah. Well, the, the thing is, though, in, in a lot of times, though, I mean, when you do have parents that are out there, right, they're busy trying to train kids. If they do train them, they're busy trying to train them for like material things and they ignore the spiritual side of it. The failure to do that, to instill some type of spiritual teachings, whatever that might be, we're not talking a specific religion here. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's your right to believe in whatever you like. But the fact is, is that there's a moral underpinning here. Like I said, if you don't have that particular part of your education, then you're not going to have the structure of yourself that's going to allow you to abide by the uh, the moral and the man-made laws that we have. So you're just going to have the chaos in society. But, you know, I think at the end of the day, people want to have, you know, a, a continuation of principles that make countries great, right? They, they want to have that. People don't want lawlessness. They don't want anarchy. They don't want chaos. People don't want that on average. You've got the the small fringe elements of society. Of course they want that. Of course they want that. But most people don't. Most people are just decent people. They just want to be left alone. They want to live their life and they want to move on. That's it. But see all of us I think we want to, you know, we want we want healthy countries, right? Where we have just laws and we have equity that that prevail, right? We all want that. But I think we have a bigger fight on our hands. We've got to fight on not just crime in general, but I think it's other influences. As I've talked about, these these institutions, they've all been undermined, right? It's all been done on purpose. We've got other influences. These particular groups, they've targeted our families. They've targeted our young people, our youth. And it destroys their chances of becoming law-abiding people, law-abiding adults. And then they don't become... Well, I mean, it, it, the problem exacerbates and it, it kicks over on itself because then they become parents. And how can they become parents? Because they haven't actually become adults themselves. In a, in a mental sense, they haven't. But, you know, I, I heard a saying a long time ago, and I can't remember who said it, and I do apologize, but it, was, it went something along the lines of, uh, if you train a child the way that they should go, then when they're old, they won't depart from the way that they... Uh, it, when they're old, they won't depart from the... How did it go? It's Proverbs. Uh, when they're old... Yeah, is it Proverbs? When they're old, they won't depart I'm from sure it? It's yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, raise, raise a child in the way they should go, and yeah. Yeah, and then they won't. They yeah, won't they won't depart, depart from it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. So I I apologize. I can't remember where I heard it. I just remember that saying. But that holds true. That holds true, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. That's why they're after the younger generations, and the, the like. That's why they want to take over the schools and and the parenting, and you know, look at BLM. What do they say they want to do? They want to raise kids in a community as a village or a tribe, uh-huh. not yeah. as, you know, the individual parent. Yeah. I really don't have too much else to add to this. I mean, this is um, this has been a kind of a tough one to do. I mean, I've been wanting to talk about this, but this has been kind of a tough one to do. I want to examine some other aspects of this. Next time I want to come at this with a um, from a crime side of it, from that aspect and from an institution side of it, as far as I, I want to look at, I, I, want to, I want to compare this to what they're doing in California because they're talking about, well, they're going to defund prisons and put all that money into education, which they're doing it backwards. You, you can't you can't defund prisons until you fix the education. It, it just doesn't work. So next time I want to come at this from the criminal side of it and the educational side of it. But I want to come back to this at some point on the end of this. And this is all this is the last thing I'm going to say on it. I don't think we can wait to improve the youth. Right. We, we got to do that now. That has to happen now. Now more than ever. So if you've got kids then make sure that you're bringing them up right. right? I'm, I'm not going to sit here and tell you how to parent. That's not my business. But there's more out there going on in your child's life than I think a lot of parents realize. I think you just need to be very aware of it. That's all I had on this. You know, like I said, I, I kind of threw together what I've learned. I mean, I really don't pay too much attention to, to juvenile delinquency. I really don't. Um, mm-hmm. But I have read about it over the years. Uh, you know, I've read a lot of uh, read a lot of FBI crime stats and, and things of that nature. And, and you see what's happening out there in society. And so, you know, it's it's a subject that needs to be talked about. And possibly people just look at things on the surface, as you know, I, I've realized here the last few days. I mean, I look at what's being advocated for in the world, overthrows of our systems. And I think, what, why? Why, why is this becoming the forefront of issues? Why, why is this why is this being something that's being promoted? Why, why are so many young people jumping on board with this? And then it led me to the point of we're looking at things in the superficial standpoint. We need to be looking at the underlying issues. There's a reason that the younger generations are the way they are. And it's precisely because we've had our institutions, our families, our religious organizations undermined intentionally. So anything else you wanted to touch on this evening, Bruce? No, I think that I think that pretty much covers it. Okay, like I said, I want to come back and I want to revisit this at some point, but I want to look at it from yeah. the, uh, the crime and the institution side of it. So, all right, thank you for your time tonight, Bruce. And from all of us here, wherever you are in the world, we thank you for listening because it's all of you that listen that make this all possible. We love you and we love freedom and independence. And together we'll continue to fight for those in the marketplace of ideas. So we'll see all of you tomorrow.